0: The biggest compliments for me in the industry is not getting invited to the ward shows. Some of them are cool, some of them are just the way they are. Um, <laughs> calculated. Yeah. Killer Keller podcast. Killer Keller
1: Killer Keller killer podcast live show. Step into the live and dangerous world of music and street culture's number one magazine platform, The Killer Keller Podcast Live Show. Special guests alongside performances, news, reviews, profile pieces to a live studio audience. Your monthly live stream is here. Hit Facebook page, Killer Keller Official. THTC, the UK's leading ethical streetwear label. Organically grown and ethically built garments from hemp, organic cotton and other sustainable materials. 2019 is their 20th anniversary year. Join me with THTC as a killer killer podcast sponsor celebrating music, social activism, hemp and street culture. THTC, eco-fashion redefined since 1999. 101.4 FM, 24 hours a day, all genres. FlexFM.co.uk Created. And we need to talk about world music and street culture Killer podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you live, central London, as central as you should be This is the Killer Caller podcast, on duty It's that time again, subscribe, share, tell a friend to tell a friend Do not sleep on that, I repeat, do not sleep on that, repeat Okay. Big shout out to Graffiti Kings, holding it down and uh, yeah, I thought we we're going a little bit different this week. And when I say different, I mean for the better, because this man—he's part of a fraternity that aims to change music for the better. He's part of a long generation of A and r reps, label types. This man—he's fucking—he's on the ball, and he does it, and he does it well. And he's a friend of mine. He goes by the name of Dan Jones. It's good, brother.
0: Well good, All good. <laughs> Your first you podcast? Are. This is my first podcast, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. A&R, Island Records. Indeed yeah, Indeed, yeah, yeah. For those of you that don't know what A&R is, which I'm pretty sure, am sure whatever you will do, we're going to get in some depths here, okay? We're going to go into some walks, which we probably haven't even brought up in uh, previous shows, which uh, which I'm dead excited about. Oh good, yeah, yeah. And we
0: often see each other mostly over a drink at a bar. What's Crowbar? That was the last one, wasn't it? Crowbar was the last one. Yeah, I love yeah. it in there. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, if you come from that world, it's just like heavy rock, metal. Just yeah. it's, it's a it's a solid jukebox. The people in there know their metal. Yeah, they yeah, they metal. fucking. Yeah, know. Yeah. And you know
1: what? As well, like you say, this that, that that era. It's an era, isn't it? And music, it's a it's a it's a it's a style which leans towards that live venue
0: esque. You know, dive bar. Mm. Like I remember when. 2003 4 when i was uh, doing pr for my chemical romance mm-hmm. and they were playing at the la2 like underneath the astoria yeah. and Death from above 979 having mm. a little gig there and like we got that's a venue as well back back in the day that was yeah, it was and like i remember like the press had came in house it was with susie ember um and before she she's at polydor now but she she was doing it and um we managed to get Gerard Way to kind of, as soon as he finished the gig, to go into the crowbar and then do a live set in there. And I remember, like, it was packed. It was mad. And they did quite a few Danzig covers. They, did, they covered, like, Mother by Danzig. and it! was just, it. Yeah, yeah. But in that... And it, it's mad because I always go back there now and I th- see where my chemical romance and just think, whoa, no one will... N-. Those moments... Well before social media and you mm-hmm. say like, that happened there. There's yeah. so many Mike M fans who go past and just mm. be like Don't even think about it twice as just, being a place of Yeah, they don't blink and it's like that that went down and it was just it was That's a mad, moment. Yeah, yeah. That's mad, isn't it? You you mentioned that
1: you was into, you know, that genre, the metal, the more rockier edges stuff and your bro. Where did it all begin? Where did it all begin for you?
0: It all began for me as a press assistant at Warner Brother Records. And when I mean press assistant, this is before social media, like, I was really the guy in there who you'd literally get stacks and stacks of press that would come in over the weekend that would have ran on Green Day, the Chili Peppers, Madonna, R.E.M. That was kind of like, they were the acts that are holding up Warners at that so time. That, what
1: dates were we talking about
0: here? I, I started in August 2003. That's when I started. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we're talking. Chili Peppers are just released, mm-hmm. by the way.
1: Sugar Babes were kind of surfacing in a pop world. Yeah, yeah, they were. They, mm. they were
0: there. On, then they were. They were via Lon, London Records. When I joined, it was W E a London Records, mm-hmm. and then mid th- during my I was at Warner's between 2003 and 2008, and during that period, it, it went from WA War London. To Warner Brothers Records, like wow. could change. I think it's when Quarter Marshall came in, and he brought in Muse, Garbage, Ash, and they kind of they were part of Infectious, mm. and that all became mm. frontline UK repertoire. So it kind of all merged then, and that's when Green Day, American Idiot came out. We had Deftones on the label, The Streets on the label, whoa, like yeah. original pirate material came out.
1: Was, that was London Records, was it? London Records.
0: That, uh, six seven nine. Six seven nine. So that flowed. That cool. was one of the labels that flowed through WA London Warners. I've always been either lucky or gravitated towards those places that have one eye on culture and one eye on commerce. Mm-hmm. And I guess as a character, I'm like that as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't know whether or not that's a marriage of convenience or whether or not it's just one of those magnetism mm-hmm. things that you just kind of end up flowing in, mm. like down that river. I yeah, guess
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Well, it starts with the integrity of like what you're in I've always been that kind of character that likes music with balls. I like things that really stand for something. Yeah, and yeah. for actual public enemy. When those guys came together and did it, you know, fucking eleven-year-old movies I lost my shit. It's the whole idea of it like being. Hundred
0: percent, hundred percent. And it's crazy because I remember being at Warner's at the time. We had gallows at the time and there was a lot of people excited about gallows and they did, a, they did a cover with Lethal Bizzle at the time during the first wave uh, of Grime. Uh. And it's like, I remember at that time period, everyone, Enemy were mad for them, Krang were mad for them, and everyone was like, oh my God, this is the first time it's happened. And in my head I was thinking, uh-huh. <laughs> Public Enemy Anthrax. I started thinking uh. of the Judgment Night soundtrack. Yes. I started thinking of all these moments.
1: Onyx, was it, uh, Onyx and... Um Oh my god, this can uh
0: what's the name of it? There There's so many people on the There's soundtrack so Pearl many- Jam, there was all kinds of weird meshes of music and then there was Biohazard. A, yeah, uh, there was there was a spawn uh, soundtrack yeah. afterwards, which kind of had Tom Morello fusion with the Prodigy. Crazy. It, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit,
1: that was crazy. Yeah,
0: I'm, it was all sorts of stuff, and it's kinda of yeah. like it's um I'm always my mind is blown mm. how generations, and I don't mean like long this can be like Three years, then another three years, like mm. quickly forget the, the sort of frequency they're tapping into the heritage they come from. They, mm. they don't know the history of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like for me, yeah. like I'm quite encyclopedic with that stuff. I'm like, whoa, like there's loads of stuff yeah. like back where you've came from. And this feels raw and it's new and it's a continuation of it. But it, it comes from a long line of that happening before. Yeah. Like
1: you say, the get I mean, Grime, I, I, I think like you say at that time, Grime was really quite Want, they knew its lane, yeah, yeah. so maybe, maybe maybe that is what contributed to people's thoughts like that about it being a unique new selling thing. But collaboratively, it's surely, like artists, must get some sort of pleasure out of researching back. And I don't know, fashion has its way of coming around, doesn't it? You yeah, know, it's hundred percent cyclical. If yeah, you yeah. if you actually wait for the train to pass again, you you'll catch all the details and how things often play out
0: don't you yeah 100 yeah it's cyclical but it's um
1: cyclical that's the word see yeah it is that's what i bring people on for
0: i think you need to reverse and have a look you don't need to live in the past but you definitely need to be able to kind of swing back Mm. swing back to it because there's a lot of positives there's a lot of great things to learn and some of the negatives are also Mm. great from learning So, like my favorite beastie boy lyric is by MCA. God rest his soul. And it's mm-hmm. track five on their fifth studio album, "Hello Nasty." It's a tune called "Just the Test," and he and he, he says, "As long as I learn, I'll make mistakes." And I always whoa, loved that line whoa. when I heard it. I was like, "Whoa, that's that's cold. That's such a line because, that's like, cold. we're all human. We all make mistakes. But as long as you're <sighs> trying to evolve into yeah. a different plane or a different style, or use that yeah. in a positive way going forward, then keep. Keep yeah. doing that, do yeah. you know what I mean. If you're just doing the same shit over and over again, yeah. then it's like, oh come on, man, this is this ain't good. But like, if you're mo- yeah. if you're using that to move forward in a creative sense, then you tap into that. It's yeah. not a negative because I I always see myself as a student. Like there are certain people I know who come who through periods of time for whatever reason will be like, I've been in it a while. I'll take my time to speak to people and listen to them and try and help them on the journey if they need any yeah. help or whatever but for me I'm always still a student I think when, whenever I pass away hopefully it'll be a long time like I'll, or, or, or on the day that I die I'll learn something do mm. i still be learning like learning even it. though people go dude like however old you are I'll just be like I've still got so much to cram in mm. do you know what I mean I still right. want to learn from the craft yes. in those early days when you were um, like you were saying I, I guess you was were you
1: were you more under you were under the arm of a lot of a, other a when you first started
0: I, to be fair, I started in the press department. So, but, but like for NR, who I, ne- on... I never wanted to be in NR. Yeah. Like it was, there's a guy called Kenny McGough. To be fair, the first guy who, just two 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 guys who believed that I had what it took to be in NR. One of them was Dan Keeling, who's mm. the guy who signed Coldplay. Right, who right. was at, he was at Parlophone, and then he went to Ireland. And another guy was Paul Brown, who was the guy who signed Niles Barkley mm-hmm. and Pendulum, and both of them were like your energy, the way you see music, the way like you're constantly like the integrity that you held. They the, just they just like they just liked the questions I was asking, and like the, the, I would just come in open handed. Like some people are quite guarded with their information because they're like, oh. I want to be the person who's given mm. this. Whereas for me, I was like, I'll always find it, mm. or I'll always have an opinion, or I'll always have a view. So for me, like, it's not like I've got one idea. Mm. Like I'm constantly coming up with ideas, so I'm like, I may as well share them because I might not know what to do with all my ideas.
1: Yeah. Was that was that a, a, an intentional thing on your part, or was it just out of pure interest that you'd, yeah, you'd give off that energy and and you know the people around you're like, yo, you should try this. You should do this. This could be your vocation.
0: Like, I, I just think, like, if I'm with the right people, uh, they get the right version of me, and I think mm-hmm. that's part of life. I think if you're with people who understand you, and for me as a teenager, it was always a quest of being understood, mm-hmm. and it's, it's funny because in the industry, there's there'll be lots of different versions of me. Mm-hmm. There'll be certain people who don't know me really well and go, oh, I know him, he's a bit of a laugh, that northern mm-hmm. dude, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be other people who go, no, 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 I know that dude, he's deep, he's not one-dimensional, mm-hmm. he's cerebral he thinks about things like he's like, he's always on, Mm. do you know what I mean? But it depends what journeys they've been through with me or whether or not they know like characters like me or he's like one of them. So he's one of those characters. Do you know what I mean? And that all depends on how people read you. Do you know what I mean? I get it. When it's just, it happens the same when people try and give you a sort of lookalike with people. I think you look like this. And then someone else go, I think you look like this. And it's Mm. miles apart. And you're like, what, that always makes me think, because I don't really listen to any of it, I, I just kind of giggle at it all, but I'm just like, what do people see? Like, what are people seeing out there? What is people's yeah. perception? Do you think it's people's perceptions that are based on the things that they've,
1: li- that clearly about things that they've lived through, and then you suddenly show up in their lives and you give value on a certain level that you probably wouldn't have given value to another person, but those people have come in at a time where they either need you, they've associate you with something else that makes them turn you to look-alikey or, or, oh, he's deep, because he told me about Sanso when I needed it most. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I think it's all about the, you know, it's the person that you come yeah, across. I think huh?
0: it's, the biggest compliments I've been getting, the biggest compliments for me in the industry is not getting invited to the ward shows. Some of them are cool. Some of them are just the way they are. Um, <laughs> Calculated. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's not that stuff. The biggest rewards for me when i W- that I took was when I remember like when you're young you kind of you, you can feel snubbed at certain things you want to be involved because you feel like you've got a lot of give but you're not senior enough to be invited to certain meetings we, oh I could mm. kill it in that meeting but when I st- the, the bits that I take from it is like when like Surge from Casabian when I worked with them like I might not be invited to certain things but before the album came out he'll start texting me, he would be like, it's coming, you ain't ready for it, mm. wait for it, and i am like, and he changes his number all the time, so sometimes i was like, who's this? And I'm like, ah, oh, it's Serge, it's Serge, do you know what I mean? But I know what's happening with those texts, do you know what I mean? And then eventually I'll get to hear it, and I know for a fact that it doesn't matter how often we talk, how frequent it is, like, I know he's waiting for my opinion on the mm. record, mm. and he's... Mm. He wants my opinion on the record. Do you know what I mean? And, like, Plan B would be the same with things. I remember, like, he would ask me things and it would be like, this guy's not going to bullshit me. Mm -hmm. If this guy doesn't like it, why doesn't he fucking like it? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And for me, like, that was the greatest compliment in the world. Like, when I signed Kano, there was a few people trying to sign him around the time of just before Made in the Manor. And Plan B and me were trying to do it we helped make a few songs on that record and um, I couldn't do it in a spot where I was at and then I moved and I did it somewhere else. But the reason why I ended up doing it, Rich and Kane were just like, you're always there. Mm. You were there for the right reasons. Mm. And it was before it was kind of the second wave of grime. Do you know what I mean now? we yeah. just like, you're an amazing poet. Mm. You're a poet. No different to Alex Turner. Diction's so good yeah, as well. Like, you, you, like, no, like, He's yeah. just, just a poet. Do you know, what I mean? it's not about being an MC, even though I think he's he's the best MC out yeah. there. Like yeah, in yeah, from the yeah. UK point of view, but for me it's like he's a poet, he's got a narrative, he knows how to tell a story. Do you know what I mean? Like Eddie Murphy, Dave Chappelle, Ricky Gervais, Russell Brand, like they're all observational psychologists mm. in a way. Mm. In. For me, Kane's the same. He's a yeah, he's a fed in the, the streets, a man yeah. all summer. They're all kind of conceptual records mm. that don't really warrant a chart position because they're just there to be tapped into whenever you need to tap into, mm. just to go, what was going on in 2019? Mm. I listened to this kid, oh, that was going on. But it must have been going on between 2016 to 2019. True. Do you know what I mean? And True. then what was going on before? Do you know what I mean? And that's why I always like Kim because he hasn't ever compromised his sound for commerce. He's just told his journey and... Because he's a good storyteller, people wanna people will turn yeah. up for the journey. It
1: feels evergreen as well. Whenever you hear a story, of feel like Nas It's like you can still put it on, and if you're like yeah, it resonates of it. Not just an era, because shit doesn't really change out there. So like you are saying about the 2016 to 2019 thing, okay, yeah, but this this still has has relevance in Yeah, it's like,
0: right? I, I listened to Ice Cube Death Certificate and that to me is... Major album. Yeah, that, that record for me is just like, like you could mm-hmm. read a book on the history of the Troubles in LA at that time, but if you're not into reading, and I love reading, but if you're not into it, just put on Death Certificate <laughs> by Ice Cube <laughs> because it's... it's There it is. Yeah. There it is. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, it's like a like an audio book. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Just put on Death Certificate that album is... Whew. Might listen to it tonight. Yeah, that is a, That's a heavy album. There's thing there's
1: a couple of albums. I mean, like, how... I mean, this is like... This is a very broad subject we're getting into, but, you know, in terms of hits and good albums, strong albums, things that take it all the way, and we did speak about this before, you know, um, across the road with Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mm. What defines a, a classic to an A&R's ear? What defines, you know, what what makes all the components work for
0: you um it's difficult because for me what i think is a perfect record might not be a perfect record mm. and i'll qualify that like if someone said to me during the period you were a music publisher what was the favorite song that you you were involved in and i would say i don't know i i don't listen to it that often but when I hear it, I just think, "Wow, what moment!" It was a song by Paolo Nettini called "Iron Sky," mm-hmm. and it's the first song, and might it be the only song that actually has sign off from Charlie Chaplin's estate because they used an element of what he was about. And I signed Paolo Nettini's guitarist Dave Nelson, and Dave Nelson co-wrote the song <laughs> with Paolo. And I remember that time Adele did she tweeted it, and she must have tweeted it. Because I don't think she, well, she's on Instagram, I don't follow her on Instagram. But like she tweeted it mm. and she was like, wow. Basically, like, "Why?" Wow. like, check it mm. out. And um, that performance and it was his performance at Abbey Road of that song. Like, you could play that now, anyone, whoever's listening or watching, Paolo Nettini, Iron Sky, watch him. Paolo Nutini, uh- That song, like, like, and I'm I'm left jumping. I grew up with some heavy stuff, but like Paolo Nettini, Iron Sky, tell me tell me in the delivery of that song at Abbey Road that he isn't in that moment he's lost nice. he's not even there he's not even in that moment <laughs> that guy is shredding like he's 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 like a conduit for a message fire and that song didn't really connect but for me that's a perfect moment I am mean, like, that's a true moment mm. you, that song Man. that's you're owning that yeah. song like true this is Al yeah. Green this is For me, it was channeling, like, a whole lineage of just soul and blues. And, like, I was like, wow, this is big. Do you know what I mean? In terms of commercial success, I mean, I've had all sorts of success from all kind of different range of artists. I mean, I remember when I signed Tayo Cruz's publishing Mm. at the time, and I I haven't really spent that much time with Tayo, but I knew Jamie Binns, his manager. We had a club night together in Notting Hill. He told me that the deal was available and had just joined EMI Music Publishing and a lot of the conversation is we need more top-line writers. And mm-hmm. Tyo had his ear to the ground that time. Do you know what I mean? And darkest Bees had signed him at Island Records, yeah, where I'm, at, I'm yeah. at now, coincidentally. you know, yeah. Obviously, Darkest had put him in with a lot of people because he was working with Tinchy Strider. Yeah. He was in with McFly. I, remember, yeah, I mean, yeah. they're all like... Island artist, so obviously Darkest must have definitely been pulling the strings there yeah, yeah. and connecting all of that for his artist. But knowing that he's a good top line writer, mm. so for me, I looked at that and thought, why wouldn't? It's not really my world, but I appreciate this guy's got an ear and an eye for the craft of mm. writing a top line mm. and writing a catchy, hooky top line. So like, he was my first big ever signing. I didn't really spend that much time with him, but that for me was. Looking around, seeing what opportunities are there, and knowing yeah. that Jamie, who was, was a friend of mine at the time, who manages Paloma Faith and he manages LR yeah. and um, he, he does really well for himself. But he, he brought that opportunity to me. Mm. And, I, and I, having sat through all the NR meetings, listening, going, what's a top line right here? What is a top line? Like, mm. What is it they're after? And just listening and listening. And then when I heard time, look, it's not my vibe. But it feels like this is an EMI music publishing signing. Mm. So I did my duty and I did the deal. And to be fair, to tell you, he went on and he wrote, he wrote a couple of big songs for David Guetta just before EDM really exploded, and those songs became massive copyrights. One's "Little Bad Girl" with Ludacris, and the other one, "Without You" with Usher. He wrote, So they became massive copyrights, so then you can look like a sort of genius, because mm. it's like, whoa, you've got this vision. Across and you, different pla- Yeah, different and like, genres, he was ASCAP yeah. singer-songwriter of the year, uh, which is a big deal in publishing, two years in a row, <laughs> but obviously I signed him. So, like, but the, the culture of what he was about wasn't really me, but in terms of what I had to do in that job, like, I was like, at the, at the time, there's no better kind of top-line writer than him. Do you know what I mean? He can put himself in any situation and he'll come out with a song. Mm. So for me, like, the general public wanted those sort of songs. It's not what I wanted, as I've just said with Paolo. Like, some of the things I gravitate towards and like as a moment in time, because, like, I'm not the biggest Paolo Nantini fan, Mm. but that, for me, Mm. as a song to be proud of, isn't like, whoa, like, that's an that's a songwriter that I signed who wrote that moment. I can be proud of that moment. That's something, that was my musical... Journey is proud of that little moment. Mm. It doesn't really connect with that many people. But the people who know that song will know, like, that's a song. That's That's a song. That is a a song. Do you know what I mean? That's not like a commercial pop moment. That Mm. I challenge people to to write one of them. How often do you find those, you know, the golden nuggets when they
1: arrive and, like you say, they're they're loaded with energy and you can just feel the heart? How often... And A more broader question is how often do you receive that like so if you receive a bunch of shit a a month how much of it is gold
0: Um.
1: how much of it is that
0: there's a lot in terms of creativity like like gold is in five percent out of 100 five percent in terms of you're dealing with like rob swire from pendulum Mm -hmm. and knife party for me is one of those five percenters
1: yeah, always guaranteed. Enigmatic, yeah.
0: creative, innovator. Mm-hmm. He's not a copycat. He's just tuned he's in. He's a study. He's a yeah, study of. He's tuned aircraft. into a different yeah. channel. What he's creating, like that whole scene for EDM for me, like what he, what Rob Swy did was there was a lot of other people around at the same time who I feel were more PR they were more sociable. They were more in the circles mm-hmm. and saw what he was doing and did their version of it and made a lot more commercial success from it. Yeah, I'll go with that. Do you know what I mean? But they were all drinking from from his. I went mm. and I was in that scene quite a lot. I signed Nero. Obviously, did Pendulum. I did Knife Party, and then a lot of people were bringing me, me stuff. And I was like, I don't really need it because I've got, I've got, you got a creme. I've got that. Yeah, Should yeah. You got a I, I, I don't need this. I big up Gareth as well. Yeah and like, yeah yeah, like, yeah they're geniuses. Yeah, but like for me, I always tapped and Joe Walkley, who's a, who's a very good friend of mine, who managed them and managed chase and So I later went on to sign like yeah. they, like he he knew it and he he himself is like everyone who's worked with Joe knows like he's a manager and like he's he's been ill for a bit with like Emmy and like he he's amazing. He's getting better, but it's a slow process with that illness. Mm-hmm. But like he's a force and like I miss that force because it's a management force. He was an intellect, he was smart, he was clever. He put the... He draw fear through a label. Mm. You had to deliver for Jaw. And I think there's a lot of... Con, there's a lot of... Mm. It, it, having great management is mm. so important. Having a manager who can drive fear through a record label... So they come and in and like... Make the record label deliver on behalf of the ice. Is, that is... That's so important. So what's They're the science so behind underrated? That? That's a very interesting point you make there, because mm. some
1: people... Some people command a red carpet. Yeah. Others are just like, well, "Well, they're just passing through." Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll pass through your office and give you a wave, the kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's different when, like you say, there is a real, you know, iron fist coming through the fucking place. What's the? Mm-hmm. What's that feeling within the office? What's it feel like?
0: You want to deliver? Like, everyone wants to be successful. Every, like, you're not... I, where I'm at now, Ireland Records, and this isn't a PR in Ireland, it's just where I am. It's It's why I decided to go there. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a very... It's got the balance right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an amazing place that has duty of care for the staff, for the artists. It's, um... Everyone gets every point. There's not like... Like, I'm one of the older characters there. Do you know what I mean? And for me, like... He's that, a young boy as well. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's mad me thinking that, but, like like everyone's aware of the points of reference. Mm. Everyone gets it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? If a video's played, everyone gets the points. Everyone gets the cultural points of references. Everyone knows the lineage. Everyone goes, oh, I get it. They're just I on get, it. Just yeah, on I get it. where mm. that comes from. It's kind of mm. like, like if someone's looking at a mood board, people get it. People go, oh, I get it. It's Wes Anderson meets X, Y, and Z. And it's like, that's just there. Does the, Does the lineage, does that... Um, diminish or shrinken with every
1: genre and every artist that comes in and tries to break the mold. Like, is it harder for you as an ANR or a or marketer, for that matter, to not pigeonhole but to try and find the space within a person's record collection that is like, yeah, that fits there? Is it get does it get harder to? What was the question? It get harder so, too? so if you've if you've got like a team and they they see an artist come along and the first thing they're thinking is okay, well, they've got their shit sorted out, but just in terms of marketability and A and how do we fit it into into small Because the genres are changing; they're constantly moving like plates. And like sometimes the genres are so, uh, you know, o- overnight, aren't they? You've just got to try and find that place in a person's record collection. How how tough is it to find that that place in the market in A and R sense for an artist?
0: There's definitely. It, what, what? what's a realism is that you get, there's windows of opportunity, as you've just said, and you can sign something. I try and sign things at the beginning of that window and then try and find their way to market, right mm. or wrongly. Do you mm. know what I mean, I've been in places before like, oh, it's another artist. Development thing. It's another artist. Development thing. We need that instant. And I've had, and I've had some instant things. Like Tyre Cruz was like the greatest instant win ever. Like all the songs he wrote were just instant bow, and they went out. Bow, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I've had longer ones. I remember signing this guy called Bruno Major. Amazing talent. Unbelievable. I don't work in with, with him now, but like I have an affinity with him. I check in with him. And like he's, he's such a purist. He's so, he's a prodigy. He's unbelievable. He's a polymath. He's aware of everything. He's so talented. He's brothers with Dot who's in London Grammar. Like mm-hmm. They're unbelievable if you've got their flat in Camden. It's just this mad creative hub and there's an energy there. And it's like he's he's one of those artists that is on a journey and he's doing it. But I don't think you can put major label metrics on whether or not he has broke, is breaking, is a commercial success because... Mm-hmm. He's just creating art all the time. Uh, And there's like, it it must be difficult to, from an artist's point of view, to be in a system where you're suddenly in this game where you've got to have this commercial success and it's like snakes and ladders. Whereas, if you're in a situation where, and there are signings like this, there's signings where, and it depends on how much you sign for, what the financial pressure is, where. Oh, the back end's crazy as well. Yeah, if there's a reasonable deal done and there's no financial pressure on yeah. the deal, it can be like, right, this is a real artist development deal, we'll get there when we do, we'll spend accordingly. Is that and, a lot, of, that will that will a lot of expectations, though, on an artist? If there's a heavy financial deal, there'll be an expectation on it. Sometimes some of those deals are done because they're so immediate, so mm. everyone knows it's a win or mm. it's already happening. When I joined a lot of the deals... When I started in 2003, a lot of the deals were all development deals. Mm. And then now more so than ever, like TikTok can blow up a song. You kind of get in America a lot. TikTok TikTok will blow up a song. It will start flying. And then the deal will go to astronomical figures. But it's happening. Radio are playing it. It's there. So you're basically, you're just amplifying what's happening. Mm, You're just like, we're going to come in, we're going to offer this money, then we're going to amplify it and we'll see what happens. So with those, even though it's a risk to pay a lot of money... People, it's a calculated risk because there's already revenue coming in. Mm. So in that sense, like some people go, oh my God, so-and-so. I remember like when I was younger, like A&Rs were always obsessed with what other people paid for the deal. And I would always say, I couldn't care less what people think I paid for a deal. Like mm. I believe in it. Mm-hmm. So I could pay ten pence to sign someone, which I never would, or fifty million pounds, which again I never would. It, mm-hmm. It's irrelevant if I if I believe in it. If the people who are back me believe in it, doesn't matter what, that, what you pay for it is irrelevant. Yeah. And, and that yeah. to me is art. And that's a that, you won't find a more honest expression of art. It's it's like how much do you want to pay for this Banksy? I don't really like it. This how much do you want to pay for this Banksy? Its a bank yeah totally like State and it, and that's that's this particular bank yeah. how much are you selling it for? Mm. this I'll pay it yeah. I might pay a bit more mm. so it, it like if you believe in art and you like it you you pay whatever you want to pay for it mm. if you're solely looking at it for business metrics, then that dictates a different fee totally because you're like totally what do we think this genre earns? what do we think the return on this genre is? Where is this artist in the genre? Is this sort of at the bottom? Are they in the middle? Are they at the top? Are they the innovators? Mm-mm. Are they the ones? That's what we pay. And that's, that's kind of the game summed up. You hear
1: what's going on here? You hear what's going up on up here? Like knowledge, that. man. Fucking yeah, yeah. knowledge. And it takes art in itself. Like you've got to be, as an A&R, there's a calcul- calculative decision you have there. Yeah. It's like, okay, so where's this coming in? I love it but how's, how do we free up certain things to make this happen? Or, you know, what what taking the integrity into account, like, how do we steer this so it's in the right place? So, like you say, no one gets upset about something for the back end or no, you know, because if it's a development deal, then normally that works in favour for the artist to begin with, but then it slowly dawns on the label that, you know, they may not want to put more energy in because they didn't put so much finance in. them, And then there's the vice versa of that if you're putting a lot of money in as a label. You know, there's an expectation from the label that that the artist delivers. That takes a lot of calculate, a lot of moving, pl- spinning plates on your part, yeah. isn't it? You know what I mean? That must be a complete head. Must have. Mu- you must be used to it now. But you know what I'm saying? Submission. It's crazy.
0: What in the process of when you're doing a deal?
1: Just making that. Just being being your being an A and R, com- and loads of different variables coming into play, and you you've got a kind of almost like. You've just
0: got to go with the flow and just yeah. And R is you it, when I was younger, I'd say the first 10 years, like I really took things personally, I felt the emotion of decisions. Mm. Like I never wanted to, Guy Moot, who was the guy who brought me into the ANR world with Kenny McGough at AMI, he would always go to me, Get used to going to bed with. At least one person not liking you or the decision you've made today. And I was like, I, I, I won't be to sleep if I'm like, that dude, mm. or, or she hates me. Like, what? what mm. Because of a decision that's out of my hands, but I've had to deliver the news. Mm. Like, I wanna go, is it all right? But then over time, you realize that, like, it's all right for people to be fucked off with you for a month. Do you know what I mean? You mm. let that, if they're fucked off with you for a year, because they're pissed that you dropped them or you did that, they could be pissed off with you forever because they had a trust in you that you were never going to let them down and now you're delivering the news that they never thought you were going to deliver. So you have to, you just have to stand by the decision or you just have to, or you have to fight against it so you don't make that decision. Do you know what I mean? I remember once there was an act that, um, there was an act that I ended up signing and this was part of that journey where I I had to I felt the emotion at the time, I'm not gonna lie, but like over time I've learned how to kind of be like I have got a duty of care of the artist that I'm working with that I've just you've just gotta keep going. You've got to keep fucking mm. you can't take things personally. Mm. It's like business Artists are sensitive as fuck. Business alone, man. is business, like yeah. They are
1: super sensitive and but
0: yeah, okay. but it's but it's how they get the information. So there was an act uh, okay. there was an act that was signed to us on the publishing side and on the record side, and everyone thought they were gonna do really well. And the record company paid X amount of money. The publishers paid X amount of money. It did not achieve what everyone wanted it to achieve. Mm. The record company renegotiated down, so they made a cheaper deal, but to stay in business with them, was important for that act, and the manager to stay in business with the record company to drive the rest of the business.
1: Mm.
0: We wanted to do the same move on the publishing side. It's like we know the record company negotiated down. We have to do the same thing because we've made such a financial loss, mm. we can't afford to keep, Mm. losing money but we believe in the act so we want to stay in the act no nope, we need all the money we need all the money and i was like we can't do it we've we've done whatever model we can do we can't do it mm. anyway time passes the people in the upper echelons of where i'm working at the time which is not where i'm working now were like we've we've made this offer it's been out for almost a year why haven't they taken it? Mm-hmm. This, this offer can't stay There's new acts coming through. We can't deprive the new acts of, of course, resources yeah. and funds. Yeah, Don't mean we've got to keep going. So, obviously, the conversation had then suddenly that we want to take the offer. But in that year, the person who ran the company was like, nothing's going on with this act. Because yeah. how have they suddenly gone, no, 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 no? And then going, yeah, we'll take it. So, why spend any money at all? So, we ended up dropping them. Now, when we dropped them, I went to the manager. Please, can I go and see the act? I want to explain that I have fought for them. I've had this offer on the table for a year. I've tried to create opportunities. We give you back the album you've made. Mm. I want to help. Yeah, just let me speak to them, and then I'll give you the opportunity to speak to them. He never came back, and when he did it. And then I met this act. I remember coming back from a James Bay gig when we were looking at him, in St. Stephen's Church, in Shepherd's Bush, walking to Bush Hall for some food with Mm. Luke McGrellis and David Ventura, who who, who I was working with at the time. Mm. And the act was was walking towards me. Oh, shit. And I remember thinking, oh, I I haven't seen them. So I was like, hey, how is it going? All good? Is everything Mm. well? How is the Mm. second album coming on? And they were like, good. And I was like, How was everything else? Yeah. Good. And I was like, "Um, who's producing the record? What's going on? The second album's coming on, okay. And it was just, it was like that. And at the time, I was like, and I I remember going back afterwards and David and Luke were like, that's a bit shit because we know how much you believed in that mm-hmm. act. We know how hard you fought because we were in all those meetings mm-hmm. when you we were fighting to save them. But all they'll know is
1: you fucking... Is that a communication point from the management side? They'll be things. like,
0: you let us down and you didn't have our back. And, you, and I right. was like, I did. I've never been able to tell that act that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And maybe that act... If, Somehow i ever listened to this. they still might work out who they are, but we won't I w-
1: for sen- sensory reasons. We aren't going to say the name. Yeah, of yeah, cancel the name.
0: And it was one of them where I was like, right, everyone's got their own agenda. Everyone does it, mm. but in the end of the day, people like Ooh. there'll be people who just be like, well, if they didn't come and deliver, who gives a shit. Mm. But for me, going back to the point we we were having what the Chili Peppers early on, yeah, yeah. You never know when an artist is going to connect with the general public. If anyone can tell you that. It's a straight line. Mm. Nobody knows. You invest in the creative talent and you hope that you can keep investing in it for as long as you can, mm. as long as you can, and because you believe in them and mm. you know at some point they're going to find that moment where they write that evergreen song, which the general public will connect with and that will be what they're defined yeah, by. Yeah, that's right. and, that, and that's the journey. And like A lot of people don't know how to have these conversations to kind of get, to the crux of what creativity is and where it falls within like a corporate structure.
1: Uh, yeah, that's right. Was it was it Jeff Zuton who and Geffen that signed Guns N' Roses and that whole period was just like year after year? I mean it took like two years before you've got to have you've before uh, Paradise City and Sweet Child of Mine came about, right? Even back then, there's a level of development that you just got and does that come does that come from uh it's not just the music, it's just your fondness for the band and their brand and the people within it. did does did, did, did that govern your determination? You know, if you know someone's a dickhead, then you're not gonna you know, you're gonna put maybe like a, you know, 60% on
0: but their music's great.
1: But if they're nice people and their music's good and everything's steering in the right direction, does that make a, a bigger difference?
0: I think I'd like to think all, all the artists I've worked with are, are just lovely creative souls. Mm. But I think when you're dealing with creativity. Like, it can start off all nice, but that you've got to be real, there's arguments along the way. There's no way you can work Mm. in any industry. If you're passionate about what you do, there'll be a point where decisions have to get made. And, like, when you're dealing with lots of people who've got lots of opinions, who all care just Mm. as much as each other, who've all got great taste palates, who all see different things from different points of references trying to get to that middle ground. And ultimately, it's the artist. The artist yeah. dictates everything. We, nobody who works on my side of the business and nothing without artists and creatives. Mm. We're nothing, there's no point in us. We don't exist in... The, the, those artists can... What you need a label for, ultimately, is driving the machine to media, mm. driving the machine to the people. Someone's got to be able to go, this is the best, we're mm. standing behind the best. Everyone, check out mm-hmm. this. And that's what is needed. But ultimately, the artists will create their own art. There are periods in time where if you want to stagger it to have maximum gain, there is a point when you like hold that song back and don't release it now and release it later on once you've got a bigger audience to do that song justice. Because if you release it early and it gets lost and then you lose traction early on and it doesn't ignite again, I've seen it across the board, not just with people I've worked with, but countless artists I haven't worked with. Yeah. That, like, you go, oh, they were great. They, sh- they should have been then? the other way around. And, you're looking, and you look at it go, they, sh- they should have held that back, yeah. or should have done that, or like, hmm. it went too early. And, like, there, there is a pattern to it. And that's why I go back and check it because there is a pattern, or certain bands, or acts, or DJs, or aren't ready for the machine mm. for the beast of what the music industry is i mean if you if you read motley Crue, the dirt mm. there's a bit it, in all the craziness of that book there's actually a, a kind of guide to corporate structure in that book when they're talking about the wheel and being the cog when mm. you come off the wheel mm. and you can't get off the wheel once that wheel's turning you can't get that's off that's you yeah yeah there's no way off and obviously i've watched the Avicii documentary and what mm. wonderful wonderful talent he was yeah, Lord, boy. and yeah. I think that, that I think everyone should watch that and just yeah. see what what it, it what it is when you join because it's bigger than music. Mm. Once you join the world of entertainment and mass media and yeah. constant scrutiny and constant uh, pressure yeah. to kind of deliver and ultra competitiveness within your other peers, because s- some people live for competition, you want to win. Like certain people are. I can't imagine what it must be like. Industry as much as artists. Yeah, sure. and some people. I can't imagine what it must be like being a football manager. How do they deal with that constant <laughs> pressure? Like, because they're like, one day they win, the next day they lose, they lose the next game, they're sacked. Like, and they know that's mm. the pattern. But, and obviously, look, they know that's the pattern. But the point is, is some people live for that. Mm. Some people l- love that. That's what uh, the, uh, that's what they are as an entity. It's with hindsight, isn't it? Like other people of aren't. Other people are just true. Beautiful creatives who just have a gift and they they haven't thought about the other stuff. Yeah, they, they they're they're just. Going, I'm I'm going with the talent that I've yeah. inherited or that's in the genes mm-hmm. or that I'm channeling, and yeah. then this other stuff comes along. Yeah. Well, from an like,
1: artist's point of view, you mean from an artist's point of yeah, view? Look, there'll yeah. Look, they'll be
0: artists... there will be. Liam artists,
1: Gallagher, I think. Liam Gallagher, I think, holds that. He, there's a charm about him. I don't think for a second he thinks too too far into. The mechanics of the back, the back end. He's just kind of like,
0: he embodies that. You know what I mean? And that's what he is.
1: You know what I mean? He's that kind of guy. I would yeah, imagine.
0: he's 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 a, he's a purist. But the one thing I'd say about Liam is he's. I I look at the campaigns that are, that Warner Brothers have done on the last two, and they're great. And what's great about them is Liam's 100% engaged in that. Mm. Like, I don't know because I'm not involved, but it doesn't look like he's missed a promo opportunity. Mm. I agree. To sell his new music, yeah, 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 and he's doing. I mean, he's turning up, and that's part of it. Like, yeah. even though Liam is like an absolute musical don, yeah. do you know what yeah. I mean? and he definitely had a huge imprint. I was a teenager when Oasis came yeah, out, 18. and I was into metal and hip hop. Yeah. and it was the Verve that kind of got me. Richard Ashcroft from the Verve that got mm. me into that. But by the time Be he and Now came out, which a lot of pure Oasis fans are like, I like definitely maybe I like what's the strong Be Here Now was the album that won me over because mm. for me the first two records I was like the songwriting's great Noel Gallagher sits alongside Paul McCartney and John Lennon mm. but mm. the second album for me just felt a bit more psychedelic mm. and a bit more with the sonics that I was into and when I first heard You Know What I Mean I was like, I kind of know what it's going gonna, gonna to sound like a pulp record and when it came out it was this really elongated proggy like yeah. Drawn out like kind of rock tune. I was like, "Yo, yeah, I know, this, what's to this? I know what you mean." I Do you know what I mean, you mean? And, like fading out, which is track seven on that record, as Johnny Depp playing slide guitar, and that—that's a proper rock jam. That tune, and I that's was like, "That's crazy! Is that a fact?" So he's on that. Johnny Depp plays slide guitar on that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's like that—that—that that tune is like it—it's just a vibe. Johnny, mm. you know, it's not like I'm oh check out this like it, it's just, no one's, It's not. It's just a vibe, do you know what I mean? But like, it's a groove. And like, mm. sometimes, I had this conversation with someone recently, it's like, w- the way DSPs are now, you've got to get into the song straight away. If people aren't hooked in... DSP, what's that? Um, d- Amazon, Spotify. Gotcha, d- okay. All, all of the top sort of gotcha. Like, digital service providers. All of, those pe- all of those peeps... Like it's like instant, instant. Everything's instant, instant, instant. If mm. you're ill, I, I, I'm ill. I'll take some of these. Like I'm better. Like everything is instant now. And yeah. it's like, what's happening to? the... Could Pink Floyd exist now?
1: That's what I'm thinking. Can Bowie? I mean, L- listen, Radiohead. That
0: first first song, once on Pearl Jam ten, like it takes about two minutes or a minute and a half to get started. It's just mm. this whirling kind mm. of ethereal They're big tunes. Yeah, and then it kicks in, but. You couldn't have that now. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And fading out to me by Oasis, that is a groove. It's a jam. It's just a riff that just keeps mm. it just keeps riffing out. And mm. it's just like, it's not like an Oasis classic. It's not like a snappy three and a half minute chorus melody. Though. It's just a vibe. Yeah. And for me, that's what drew me into Oasis was it, oh, they've got this other side. I know mm. they can write nice contemporary rock songs, but they've got an edge, yeah. and they had—they always had that. Like, you need it, those tunes. Yeah, that bring to it on that. down, yeah. Columbia. Like yeah. they always had yeah. That's and Supersonic. Those are three songs off. Off, definitely, maybe that I connected to. Like, as a, that I was a, in a metal and rock at the time, and I connected to. And on What's a Story, Morning Glory? It's Morning Glory. Mm. I was like that. For, mm. dun, 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 mm. that like, I was like, whoa, this. I like it, but Riffs, like you know, just yeah. the energy—the yeah. energy for me. I was like, if I was to connect with any of songs. That I've got a bit of my energy on yeah. them. The the, the tunes, yeah. it's like roll with it. And I was, and, oh, I can't stand roll with it. <laughs> do you know what I mean, even now I don't like that song. I'm a big I'm rock and like, roll star. Oh. I
1: like that tune. I'm, I like
0: rock and roll. Yeah, that's star. got swag. That's Cigarettes that's and alcohol's bit. got yeah. swag too. But for me, the groove is supersonic. It just like had this hypnotic groove. Like the psychedelia Col- psychedelic, Col- psychedelia of Columbia was mm. just it had a thing. But yeah, like roll with it. I was like. I don't I'm not having this at all.
1: We're talking about songs that have surpassed like decades and that ultimately is the the biggest result and mission I guess for any A&R I mean talking about red hot chili peppers and thinking mm. like you were saying earlier thinking about to like would that person actually be making money who signed you know who signed fucking red hot chili peppers probably not. But then doesn't doesn't the heritage and the and the, the, the longevity of it that makes up for that, doesn't it? What do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, it's go back to what I said. You never know when you're going to you're going to make it. And I guess with yeah. Chili Peppers, like when they were originally signed, they had three or four albums where you could tell they were fans of Parliament and Funkadelic. And I remember chatting to. Johnny Cigarettes, who at the time, like if you win if any act wins an enemy award, the enemy award is that mm-hmm, yeah. and like it's his hand doing that no way Johnny cigarettes yes, he's a journalist and he he was married to Phoebe sinclair, who's red hot chili peppers p r right so when I joined Warner Brothers, I got to meet him through that, and I remember having a chat with him, and he said to me at the time I when, if you rewound back when Chili Peppers released their first album, their second album, and if you rewind back to when Green Day released Dookie, and if you told me, because literally Red Hot Chili Peppers were playing a couple of dates at Hyde Park and Green Day American Idiot was 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 taking off, yeah. and I was at Warners in that time, if you were to tell me that in the future these two bands were going to be the biggest musical exports out of America mm. every single journalist would just Cry laughing. Do you know what I mean? And it's like the evil, he's like, it's, he's like, sometimes, like, you live in this complete surreal world where, like, mm. you're just like, what? But from an our point of view,
1: yeah, I was you've gonna say you've got to say, know that yeah, from day got to one.
0: It. You've got to go <laughs> yeah. in 25 years' time. Hmm. This person's gonna be selling out Wembley Arena. That hmm. like, you've got to know that now, and like all the decisions wh- where you're making, you're thinking now, but you're thinking 25, 10, 30, you're thinking legacy. You're thinking, are they gonna evolve? Is something gonna happen in their life that will influence them to write that, or when that happens, hmm. is that gonna be the creative hmm. spark for them to go? Yo, and 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 it's, it, it, that's the challenge. That's the challenge. I remember like uh, Snoop Dogg when he first
1: came out. You know, there was the whole. I think he did a DVD box set or something. A murder was the case, and and he was actually yeah, getting charge. Yeah, I've got the DVD. And, yeah, you know I mean, I've still got DVDs. Big star newspapers said, "Get yeah. this bastard out!" You know, because yeah. he came to the. You know, tried to come over and do some shows, and they, they you know, the, the country wasn't having it. God damn it! Yeah. But then, as an A and R if you were in those shoes and you were trying to forecast the show, I mean, nothing is better than that kind of sensation, right? From a marketing point of view. But, um, yeah, you meet these people that you sign, or people sign, do you think to yourself... You still think then that there's a longevity? Would you imagine that Snoop Dogg would suddenly chill the fuck out? The the ganja laws would be like restrained, and then all of a sudden it's like everything's chilled all of a sudden. Like you know, you can. I mean, no one has that crystal ball. (laughs) But what I would say
0: with Snoop Dogg is like the energy he's got now. He definitely. I I I wasn't there back then when he was doing those meetings, but he would have had an energy where people go, yeah.
1: He's Going to do this anyway,
0: yeah. It's, it's, it goes back to what I was saying about Bruno Major when I met him. There's a guy called Will Ward who was my scout, but he was originally a black butter. He now still works at Black Butter. He went to PMR, who's like great guy. And like, he was the first guy who played me, Bruno. Mm. And as soon as I heard it, I went, This kid's got it. Mm-hmm. This kid is so t- crazy. I can write in any genre, energy, like, energy. completely. He like, can just mm. hone in on the craft. Like, if he was a director, he'd be one of those people where you're like, Dude, he does horror. But he does action, but fuck, he he does really heartfelt mm-hmm. romance stories as well. They like, he can do the lot. He's just he's that's what I said. He's kid's a prodigy, he's a polymath, he Bad can ass. he can do whatever. He's just I believe that like songwriter, there's a frequency and people have a gift and they tap into that frequency. I know it sounds trippy. No, that's true. But they tap into that frequency and whoever's tuning in on that day receives a yeah, song. Like a, certain a well song. that they go yeah, into. Or, yeah, or a kind of or an energy of yeah. like, I'm gonna write a I love song today. I'm gonna write a a rock anthem or I'm, I'm just gonna I'm feeling chill today I'm mm. just gonna write a nice little do you know what I mean and like they tap into that do you know what I mean I've even I don't know if, I've definitely read or heard an interview with Bono from U2 I'm sure it was along the lines of like he he was annoyed that he wasn't tuned in or writing when no Gallagher received Wonderwall it's kinda of like that that yeah, energy I, know, I don't yeah. know if someone told me that or whether or not but I remember like the idea of that sticking in my head of like yeah I could have could have heard that as a U2 song but like yeah. it was one of them as in like they're in there and someone yeah. someone taps in I and opens
1: gets, the door and takes the thing and yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I love that actually that's a great analogy isn't
0: it? And you don't know what people are listening to? Like my brother posted something today on Instagram about the new Pearl Jam song and he was kinda of like oh it sounds like they've been listening to Devo and Kate Bush, and I literally listened to two seconds of it, and I was like, yeah. sounds like they've been binging out on talking heads, <laughs> literally, do you know what I mean? And then <laughs> Nal Doty works at Q Magazine, I saw sort of liked it, and then a couple of other guys who work at Crying Like Dick, because they were just like, that's what I'm hearing. That you've like got to push for me, the boundaries them right? going, oh, I'm hearing that. Yeah. I'm hearing they're listening to talking heads.
1: You've got to push the boundaries though. How hard is that for an A&R, like when all of a sudden you get presented with an album or a song, and you're like, oh, am I going okay, to explain this? Mm. I mean, you're based on honesty. You know, you're based yeah. on, the, that's what people come to you as an A&R for. Yeah. But how often are you faced with that where you really gotta think, okay, this is great, but it's not in the same category as like what they had before. What's your, how do you
0: process that? You're better than this. <laughs> Those are the words? Yeah. So you're better than this. Yeah. Like, it's, it, it, I like the vibe, I like the energy, but you're just better than this. Mm. You know you are. Like, I think if you're hitting it from honesty, like that from the off, and it's not BS, then, like, it's just easy to do other things. It's ha- It's harder to be truthful if you come from a place of non-truth to start off with. Yeah,
1: people know you as being the go-to guy of honest yeah. and, and and definitely upfront. where I'm yeah. at now,
0: I'm just like, there's no, like, how can you lie about creativity? Yeah. Like, I'm not a very good liar. Like, if you uh. ask me a question, I'll be like, oh, you'll tell. Don't, I'll yeah. I'll be like, oh, what, oh. Do you know what I mean? So for me, it's like, I'll just be like, mm-hmm. But with art, if I'm into it, I'll just be like, fucking, this is,
1: this play, it again,
0: it. play it again, play it again. Man, we are going to kill it. fuck! And it gives me this energy. Do you know what I mean? Like, is, it I, the
1: fir- is it the sound first before any branding or videos or anything? Because a lot of things are quite video and brand-led nowadays. Like, if you're straight music.
0: I see music visually. Like, um, I hear it and then I see it. Yeah. Like, I can, That's I'll play out a scene yeah. or I'll play out a movie or I'll play out... Like, I remember when I used to manage Pixie Geldof, um, she was in with this producer called Ludwig, and they were doing... She she really, We released one album, and um, it's a pretty cool album, man. And um, there, were, there was bits in it when I was like, man, like... She was like, what? And I was like, this song, like, it, I can see a, a, an LA setting, it's all grey, it's all black, <laughs> and there's digital rainfall, but it's blood like blood's falling digitally, do you know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, it's when it hits the water, it's, it it kind of doesn't dissolve, it sort of sets the water on fire a bit. And I remember just everyone thinking, what's this guy? But I was like, that, that song's creating this image in my mind, that's what I'm seeing, I'm just that's in this grey, barren landscape oh. that's quite minimalist, but uh. the rain falls blood, and it's really, like, sl- it's slick, but, like, when it lands, it's kind of burns a bit like that. That's just what I'm- That's, that's crazy. And it just, wow. but it's true. Like when I listen to certain songs, I just, I see certain scenarios.
1: That's, the, that's almost like upfront on first ex- experience of the song. Mm. That kind of makes sense as, an, as a good A&R. If they, can f- if they can envisage that on the immediate impact of a song, yeah. then arguably they can, you can forecast. You have a vision for the forecast of how it's going to work and how things... Are. So I get it when you say that, you know, seeing past the first year to the 10 years to the 25 yeah. years and knowing what that trajectory is. That's yeah. yeah, that comes with that, I think.
0: Yeah, it's difficult. Certain artists... Like, it depends... Look, artists make it because artists want it. Full stop. Like if you... And the management want it as well, I yeah, guess. Yeah, but the artists have got to want it. Like Amazing management can see it in an artist and just drive it on through. But amazing artists have to always be up there and artists will Mm. drive it through like artists are those people they get told no they get told no they get told no they get told no fuck it i'm still Mm. gonna do it Mm. where the danger is is those artists who get told yes 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 and it becomes really easy oh it's just gonna happen Mm. and you're like whoa you need to find that balance it's not just gonna happen like Mm. you have to it's not like you if you're in academia you don't get ears at GCSEs, get ears at A-level, get a 1st class cross-honours degree and then go, that's it, I'll put my feet up now because someone's going to hand me like a million pound job. It's like, no, you've you've got yourself in a good, strong position, Mm. but you've got to keep doing that. (laughs) Forever? There's no... Whoa, look at Simon Cowell. Like, that dude works his arse off for his money. That, mm-hmm. He's on a plane backwards and forwards. And I don't care if people are like, oh, but he flies. For, he's earned the right to fly whatever class mm. he wants to fly. He's and also, fork,
1: yeah. that
0: doesn't take away from jet lag. Mm. Do you, I mean, if you're like in L.A. on Monday, then yeah. in London on Wednesday, then in wherever on Saturday, then back to Japan on Monday, then back to L.A., your circadian rhythms, your body color, mm-hmm. thats gonna all be off. So it, means it's it, not it. What money you're getting? That's that's that, that's gonna take its toll, and it does take its toll. I mean, I look at mm-hmm. that year where we lost David Bowie and Prince, and like ultimately for Crazy, me, yeah, I remember that. what those guys were channeling—painful—that was, painful, that was, that was wasn't something it? else. Yeah. They were carrying the youth. Earth lost a lot. Yeah, like that was a big creative year of there was a lot of creative souls who. Who left us that year, and it's just kind of like I think that was the year when George Michael died at Christmas time Christmas, as well. Yeah. And it was just like all of these like Terrible. immeasurable culture genre-defying artists who who've lived like a hundred lives in one life, yeah. who still don't feel like they're gone because their presence is still here. Like I'd, Hardcore, I had that with Freddie yeah. Mercury. Yeah. <laughs> Freddie Mercury and Queen always feel like someone else is discovering them. Every year, like I heard a fact the other day that <laughs> that's but so hit, true. Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah. the DVD, sold over like one, one, 1. 1.7 million copies. Like, no one buys DVDs, N- not anymore. Like, Crazy. What, that, Crazy, that's a serious Crazy. volume of DVDs. Yeah. All those people, either Big Queen fans or telling their children about them or just, just getting are new it. people mm. learning about queen Klee kind of audiences yeah, and you're like, what well, that brand keeps going i think that about acdc i think yeah. like yeah. when they were touring i think they were the second biggest touring act of that year or that two years when they were touring a few f- few years back when uh, brian johnson i think lost his hearing and axel rose from guns and roses yeah. had to step in but it was like what's going to happen when all those members pass away because yeah. oh. people are still want to hear those songs <laughs> yeah. live and go out we've well, heard
1: about Aussie now you know, Parkinson you know, beards, Parkinson, yeah. you know. Like, what, what happens
0: there yeah. like because you can remake a film or you can reinterpret something but how would you keep the music how would you keep the music alive it, obviously there's catalogue and you can keep syncing it and you can keep it in the public conscious but how would you keep the experience mm. of the, that live experience mm. alive like that's why I'm really grateful when I look back at certain acts and go I saw Tom Petty live at the Royal Albert Hall.
1: Mad. Yeah, I've mad. heard
0: Tom Petty's live vocal in there and he's gone now. Yeah. No one's getting that again.
1: Live is everything. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's that's gone. Do you know what I mean? I was there, yeah. I've seen Tom Petty live. Yeah. Like stuff like that for me is like that's where the magic is, 'cause you're like, you're having an exchange and in that moment, that's the fandom, like they're with you, you're with them. There's however many people in that space and it's it, no social. You can catch it on social media, but it doesn't capture the magic of it. It doesn't capture the, I'm here, you're here, this is our moment. Mm. That's, where, that's where it all is. Longevity,
1: is it? It's longevity, like, and, it, you know, like you say, like, the live aspect. The, 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 you, we're talking about people like Tom Petty that, you know, d- d- died of, of, of reasonably, after a long legacy, you know? We're talking about legacy artists here. And uh, to your point <clears throat> earlier, a lot of artists just kind of aren't prepared for the full. It's almost like they haven't got, um, sometimes they don't have the full vision of what they want. Yeah. Uh,
0: I'll
1: tell you a story. Um, I was with Sony BMG and, um, me and me and them parted ways in 2006. And it was so weird. Like, uh, I've been on there for like the best part of like two years developing. And then i had done a round trees fruit pastel commercial, which did well. And then we all had to sit around in a board and try and work out, well, what was the what was the what did we learn here? You know what I mean? Because I had an album out, but I was selling fruit pastels, you know what I mean? Mm. And then all of a sudden, yeah, like I was with BMG, then that turned into Sony BMG. And then I remember just being confused and like thinking to myself, well, I had the I I had the vision of doing something as a bigger commodity to expose myself to a more commercial audience, thinking that it would be okay for an album to kind of follow through in that respect they left the board meeting thinking well because you know you could just as well do an album that does that and there's me beatboxing but blah, blah, blah. by the time that they just couldn't see it and i remember being on stage with pharrell the essential festival i think it was and i got the call saying that you know they dropped us i didn't think anything of it other than they no they didn't get it they didn't get it maybe i didn't get it maybe there wasn't enough uh give on my album that could have Predicted that kind of level of commerciality. Maybe I was too radio heady. Maybe I was up like my prince ass mm-hmm. or something. But I never for a second thought, what am I gonna do now? I hate I hate Mike Pickering for what he did to me. I love the dude. He helped me. You know what I mean? I didn't think anything of it other than All right, well, I've gotta just re up. Let's go on. I know where I've got to go. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think a lot of artists I don't think enough artists think like that because it's the be-all and end-all, isn't it, when you hit the the pearly gates of a record label. Um, To many people, especially people that have parents that have huge regard for the the old guard Mm. and they want their their kids to succeed, it's quite hard for for bands and acts to really face that
0: reality when it happens, right? Getting dropped Mm -hmm. if it happens. (sighs) Um... Yeah, it's the same. I mean, it's I've seen it with a lot of executives who get let go. gentlemen huh. you know I Who've given their life, blood, time, energy, hours, like huh. to it. it's difficult. I mean, from a creative point of view, I'm just trying to think of examples where look, you can I've seen artists get dropped, and then it'd be the best thing in the world for them. They go huh. off and they become bigger, better versions of them. I've I've seen an artist get dropped by a label. Then have someone in the wider corporate structure of that company get a massive sync, and then that label re-sign that ass back to the same label. I bet that's happened a few times. Um, it, huh? And then get dropped again by that label. <laughs> um, I've Damn. seen. I've seen artists, find, I've, and I'm talking some of the biggest contemporary artists that we've got at the moment, I've seen labels put on showcases for them, pay for the first EP, pay for the first demo, and then not sign them up, and then another label sign them up, and they go off and become the thing. Hmm. I've seen artists be signed into the corporate grouping in a different territory, and then everyone in our territory, the UK, pass on it, and then it's signed into a different corporate group for the uk and then they become humongous so it's kind of like <laughs> it's a strange it's a strange being but the the whole point is like someone getting dropped is not a negative thing because they're gonna exactly. do whatever they're gonna do because mm-hmm. whether or not someone says they don't believe in it or they don't think it's right is irrelevant if if the artist believes in it and and the management and the team around that artist believe it it's gonna happen, happen anyway, it's yeah. gonna it's just it's happening do you know what I mean? It's happening. I've seen artists be on a label, yeah. get dropped by a label. They are, they, the album they release independently, which they might source funding from their fan base, be the biggest selling album they have. Mm. They then sign that those rights into like a corporation and then sign three other albums that don't work. And it's that one album where they were on their own that mm-hmm. was where the magic was. Do you know I mean, so there's so if you're creative, it's not the be all and end all, it's, it's, not the be, it's not the be all and end all. But ultimately, the way I view my role in a major label is if I'm signing someone, I'm, I'm not trying to drop someone, like, hmm. I'm trying to make it work and work and work. And everyone in that label is trying to make it. The people I work with at Ireland are just they're, they're wicked, man. They're like their family, and it's like we're all in it together. We all care otherwise we we wouldn't chase the deal down Mm, we're mm. we're not a market share company we're not trying to sign things just because they make commercial sense we're trying to sign something because we believe in the culture where it comes from what the message and the music is Mm. and who they are as creative entities Mm. that's why we sign them i think there's a sweet spot
1: to a and R's in the same way there's a sweet spot to producers where um you're in that perfect place of being able to look back some of the best artists that have had their careers and you're looking forward into the new shit. And if that, there is an age bracket. I swear there is. I think you're in that sweet spot where you're able to forecast based on some of the things you've seen at the back, some of the things that are happening at the front. It must be a really fucking co- cool place to be, huh?
0: It, it, it is. I, I think that's why I think people... It always blows my mind when people don't like the ageing process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, there's so much to gain from getting older and experience yeah, yeah, and, and learning. Just, yeah, like, yeah, and like yeah. when people hold on to youth, like, I'm just like, I get holding on to the energy that keeps you young. But from an aesthetic point of view, I'm like, I don't get that. Yeah, like, i there's yeah. so much more, like I said earlier on, like, I just want to keep learning. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? For me, that's the goal, just connecting with similar minds, yeah. similar energies, and that's what inspires me obviously like you've you've got your look you got your swag mm. you, you kind of you always want to come correct sort yeah. of thing but it's kind of like i think you will because you, you you just you're just appropriate to who you are as a person and stuff but yeah i don't get the the fear of age thing but i get to the point that you were making about there's a sweet spot i guess there is a sweet spot but you have to earn that sweet spot Hell and ultimately yeah. Yeah. you only get the sweet spot because you weren't it and you were listening and you were you, you were trying to find it, because I, I definitely see A&Rs who are younger, who they have got to go through the moves. They've got to win that deal on their own They're for the first time. They're or, a little bit green. They ha- yeah, they have to be able... Like, for me, you aren't an A&R person. You are not an a and person unless you can close a deal on your own, you can convince the solicitor, the manager, the artist, the family... You are the person to guide this person's life and career in the right way by listening to them, amplifying and encouraging them. You are not A&R. You might be learning the ropes of mm. it, but I had to stand on my own and all those A&R people who have really made it and had careers, there's a point where it's all on you to bring bring this artist into the company. It's all on you. Oh, geez,
1: inside the bill and tell it like it is. exactly. Know your know your craft and own that shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that must be such a job getting yourself climbing that ladder and each yeah. each elevator stop, ringing the bell, saying, "Look, I've got this. This is happening." i will go upstairs and tell them upstairs. Go up to tell the marketing, tell the head of marketing, tell the solicitor, tell the. I mean, yeah, it takes some fucking yeah, yeah, balls you're, with you're, those you're, big machines, man. Yeah, you're having really a
0: does. lot, but it's the same on the marketing side. If you're in marketing, it's. There's a lot of pressure on marketeers because you've got A&R going, I've signed this record, I've made this record. Everyone thinks, like I said, I don't like using the word hip, but everyone thinks this is the moment. Yeah. So you've got managers going, right, the video needs to be like this. This You've got press going, I need the song to come out here in order to align it with these photo shoots. Mm-hmm. You've got sync going to the marketing person when we've got this potential opportunity, so you're going to have to move. And the market have got control, this whole mad oct. Octopus <laughs> Do you know what I mean Where oh, there's all these Different things yeah. And it's like So there's there's different lab, There's different Different creative bits Of the label That all have their own yeah. Little battles and wars It's the same like If you've got a killer song And you've, and, and your Instagram's flying And the marketing plan's intact The video isn't right mm, Yeah We need to release it We need the video now, And like, you know How, I mean, how
1: much of that just, Sorry Just while we're on the subject So if you had a delivered record And it was fucking Ping in. How, how From that moment there, how long is the lead-up time to a release? There's Between you and the market. No rules, there's no rules.
0: No rules. Right. Uh, you could sign a record today, it could come out... What is it today?
1: Uh, Wednesday the 22nd?
0: Yeah, Wednesday. It could come out Friday. Really? Do you, want me? you could sign a record that had already been out a week, really? and now you're going to keep adding... So there's no rules to this yeah, There's no say. rules. There's, there's no... It's changed in there's that... There's no rules. I think yeah. ultimately when you sign it and you start building and you 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 plot a plan, if you're signing an act and you're just you're just building, you're building, if you're going for, like, we want to win the BBC sound next year, yeah. then there's a plan. Then there's yeah. a, we're going to have to do these things. Like, media are going to have to see certain things. Have you sold out this venue? Are you growing on socials? Are you... I mean... That's the mechanics of it. That everyone wants to be like, yeah, yeah. I'm not involved in that. I'm not interested in that. But mm. if you're winning those sort of things, mm. yeah, yeah. The, that's the, that's the machine. The you're pfft, if you're like, you know what? Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck that. I'm releasing what I want to win. I don't yeah. give. A, I don't give a toss about all of these things. Do what you're doing. Don't mean just just make the art go in a wily kind everyone of way. Into it. Yeah, just do it. Just Stick do it, around. Yeah. Just make those big songs where everyone goes. Yeah.
1: Like, do just, do like do artists like Wiley... Do they intimidate a marketing A and R team? Do they? Because I don't know. I've never worked with one. But just as an example, like no, I mean more so those forthright artists that have already like carved their shit and they are, they are, they're almost against the machine. Sometimes they want to run fast. It's almost like an athleticism towards the machine. Um, Signing those kind of characters must be quite a challenge in the in in the grand scheme of things.
0: I think all artists are challenges. I think some of the artists that look like they're a challenge on the outside might actually be easy to work with. Yeah. I've worked with people who like seem like they're challenges, but like they know what work needs to go to make their brand keep ticking over. Mm-hmm. So it's like you can have conversations and go X, Y, and Z, and they go X, Y, and Z, and you're like, spot on, and then you do it. So they're calculating. I've seen other people who come across oh, they must be the loveliest, easiest, bubblegum people in the world. And you're like, I've got no words to describe the, ex- <laughs> the experience. Do you know what I mean? And like, just, just, wow. Yeah. Like, what? Like, wow. <laughs> really, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. And you're Amazing. just like, <laughs> genuine, where you're just like. Dumbfounded. What? Yeah, like, wh- Wow. It's hilarious. Yeah, awesome. yeah. It's, it's, it's like, like for me, it's not always judge a book by its cover thing. It's yeah. just kind of like, yeah, it's like there's, there's a theatre to it as well. Mm. Some of these people know who they are and know who to challenge how to channel who they are. Mm. So for me, it's just a bit like. They're not what they're doing. Do you know what I mean? So they're you
1: know, in your head. Yeah, yeah
0: like because I think doing. if you, if you're if you if you've had a career as long as certain people have had a career, and you want to keep having a career, and you want to afford to still have a career, like you know, if you're the pantomime villain, you know, if hmm. you're the pantomime villain, you can do that for X amount of years, but then you have to drop a massive song for people to go, yeah, yeah. pantomime villain, but banger like you you know that about yourself and your business so it's kind of like and it depends when you're dealing with that character in that phase
1: they know it i like that i like they know they know
0: know themselves they totally know themselves there's obviously people who who struggle with Mm. the whole machinery of it and sadly they also know themselves and know that they can't deal with the machinery of it Mm. but that's a wider kind of life Mm. Mm conversation yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, totally. live conversation where and I, I definitely feel like labels where we are now there's a whole duty of care that we have where we want to be supporting everyone and anyone artists and execs who who need support like mm. career, I definitely feel like the creative industries are in a place where like they're we're aware of that do you know what I mean like no mm. one no one is sleeping on that mm. That everyone's door is open mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah. a normal thing. Like, I've gone through tough times myself in the industry, which I've got through them on my own, but like i n I'm a character who like welcomes the fight, but like I'm thinking shit, if I've gone through some of this stuff and I'm kind of built to fight, right. like, whoa is this is tough.
1: Tell me your hard times. What are your hard times in overall in the industry? You've got you, you said you just you go through hard times. What? Give me some examples. Yourself personally.
0: Um, a, one of the companies I was at towards the end of it I definitely felt and I'd been there a long time like a long time and I kind of I give them everything mm. like what you see is what you get I kind of put all my energy into it like I feel like the years I give them were like double because mm. it was it was the day shift hours of 9.30 to 6.30 but during that period of my life I was giving them 6.30 to so 5 in the morning, hmm. like, at hmm. least two or three times a week. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? So I think the people there knew I'd give my all to it. The artists knew I'd give my all. And, like, you got to balance it. In the, in the decade I was there, seven of those years were the best. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? And they were best. And I was kind of, like, constantly progressing upwards. And then I kind of hit a ceiling where I kind of felt... I've been ghosted a bit, yeah. Really, really? Yeah, it's a bit cold. Mm. And, like, you, as, as as a father, I was a dad then, so I was like, I'm getting great Shit. money, yeah. boo-hoo, I'm getting paid a lot and I'm having a hard time. <laughs> but there's the reality of, like, um, like how long is this going to last now? Mm. Like, it doesn't matter what act I bring in, nothing's good enough. Do you know I mean, there's like, nothing is good enough. Like, I could do, I could sign all these things, and it's like, mm, but that band's not recouped. Mm. And I expected more from that act, and like, that, that's great, but it's not as good as that. And that's, yes, you had a lot of success with that single, but the second single flopped. There was a, every act that I was having success with, the only thing that was highlighted was the negative mm. bit of the campaign. No matter how good you positive. did, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, Okay, okay, I get this, and it carried on, and I was like, "Is this them? Is this is this trying to make me feel so uncomfortable that I leave? Is this the is this the end of me in music? Is this is I've done my thing now and like, do you know what I mean? I'm like, Whoa, is I this can't, how it is? It I how it plays out? Now. Yeah. Like, I, I've got so much more to offer, yeah. but." Where it got dangerous was, and I love coming to work, I've always been happy with the music industry, I never felt down, I love all the artists, because you have your internal relationship with the people you're working with, and then you have your external one, which is the wider music industry. When you're in publishing, you're dealing with labels, when you're at labels, you're dealing with publishers, and it was that kind of wider thing of like, and I'm just being honest, it was that thing where I was just like, do I even want to do this anymore? And when that question entered my head, I was like, okay, like, this is a hard time. Mm. The fact that it's it's a complete, rational, considered thought Mm. that I've just had with my wife, Mm. like, at 7.30 in the evening when I've came back early Mm. one night and gone, I don't know if it's time to, like, look for other creative avenues. I've got lots Mm. of ideas. The fact that I actually had that conversation... He's like... You. Did that for you? me was a moment, like, that was, like, a... It was just a sad moment of, like, wow. I've been doing this so long now that, like, it's a consideration that I would yeah. give up my energy to this business. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? When all I've ever done is give everything, because all I ever want is to be involved in this business. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, like, what's going on? So that yeah. for me was, like, people super close to me got it and knew it, but, like, I'm very good at... um just dealing with stuff on my own. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I've, I've got understanding family and who've been around me through all those periods where they've always allowed me to be me and always saw that, even when when I'm being nuts and and off the cuff, which was quite a lot back back in the day. They always knew it was coming from a place of like love mm. and passion and kind mm-hmm. of them not wanting to reign... My energy yeah.
1: in. I think it's damage limitation. Like if you're able to own your own um, faults and mistakes, because you were saying you you do you you quite like dealing with things yourself. Yeah. Is that is that a protective thing that allows you to you know okay well if I if if that takes a hit it's my fault. You know what I mean? Is it that yeah, kind of I thing?
0: I, 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 for me, for me, I respect. I respect the art of cancer and I respect respect the art of therapy. I respect the art of people doing that because it, it, it's what, it's one of the ways to heal, to mm. get better for me. I, I just, I personally, for me come from like, i got to, I've got to work this out myself. Like there's a lesson here mm, mm. and like, I'm a student, I love studying, I mean I love learning, like I love reading, I love listening, I love watching films, like I love watching films from different angles, and it's like for me, and like what's the message here? Why is this happening? And like it's helped me get less as a as a kid. I lost my best friend when I was younger, so like for me, there was anger there because of that, that i have never really acknowledged hmm. that. I constantly saw injustice and in stuff, and I was constantly, like, hmm. fighting battles. I didn't really need to fight, and, like, I used to run a club night in Camden, which was quite successful. Where are you from
1: originally? A Where, uh,
0: little town called Billingham near Middlesbrough. Yeah, okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it, that was, because of it was quite a sleepy town, but there was a lot of time to... Read mags, watch mm. films, listen to music, mm-hmm. hang out, and just... Best shit. And study. Yeah, mm-hmm. study. I think if there was a lot of opportunity to do other things, I wouldn't have fallen into music, because I was studying for a role I didn't know was coming in later life. Yeah, so yeah. When I was all reading and reading and listening totally. to music. and Listening totally, to, totally, to B-sides. Totally, totally. and like, Me and my bro would be in our room with our mates, just like, listening yeah. to like albums and albums and albums, and watching... DVDs yeah. I and mean, like making cassette tapes the and then sharing yeah. it. Do you know what I mean? But it you don't realise at the time that there's something that sets, let's listen Yeah, and, this and then we were a and going like, what you, I, I like that song. I'm like, why do the drums do that midway through? Or like, I wish he didn't end it like that. Or like that weird sound effect. Mm. Do you know what I mean? We were like a and in records, mm. like, knowing what we were doing. Mm.
1: It's crazy. So it's just
0: for me, like, I've never really, I've always tried to work stuff out for myself, but be- My therapy comes from everybody because I'm always listening. Mm. So I see life as one big therapy session. So I could be sat there like thinking something, and someone could go off and say something about their hard time, and I'd be like, Yeah, yeah, got it. Do you
1: know
0: what I mean? So it's free therapy. Podcast world, man. (laughs) Yeah, it's surreal. It's free therapy. So I was sort of doing yeah when people are learning from podcasts. I was just doing that from normal conversations Mm. because as much as I can talk and people who know me can go. I can talk mm. and I can do it. Mm. I'm always listening. Even mm. when I'm talking, I'm listening. I've noticed you know that I'm you. taking I've... photographs everywhere like I know I know where everything's positioned. Like I, I, when I look around the room, I'm like, "All right, that's, mm. I see where it all is." I mm. see what the vibe is. What do you see here. <laughs> <laughs> I see a podcast studio. Yeah, there you go, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I want to I see a nice notorious BIG Riker Buddha.
1: Buddha, I've got one yeah. of these. Yeah, you can. I
0: love Riker. Yeah, I love Riker. Right. Okay. Shout out Riker. Shout, Shout out Riker and Callahan. Case. What what a talent he yeah. is. I know, man. I know. My, the, my house is a bit like an art museum, and there's a lot I of love that shit. there's a lot of Riker pieces in yeah. there. I've got a lot of Riker pieces. No, I love Riker. I'm a Riker, big fan man. of Riker. Hell yeah.
1: And on that note, that you creatives go about your business. You've just been schooled by a craftsman in his uh, in his career, You a know, man of a uh, of many uh, opinions and ideas and, you know, bringing things to fruition every fucking year. Thank you so much, Dan. I really appreciate you coming through. Pleasure. A&R's Definitely. finest. Pleasure. Pleasure. Legendary, all right? Stay locked on the Killer Keller podcast when to give it to you raw. Don't forget to subscribe. You stay lucky. Don't speak to any strange women especially, all right? Cheers, brother. Peace.